doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking, it's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy looking being. I'd change it up a bit this week and from the time that I started putting the framework of this show together I was always looking at it from the standpoint of it being about the guest and not me hence why I've always referred to myself as your host but I guess as time goes by it's kind of starting to get a little old maybe we're in need of something new so we're going to give this a try you let me know what you think and we'll go from there Before we get too far into it, please do me a favor, and if it's something that you're interested in, make sure you take advantage of the Manscaped 20% off ad featured later in the show, if enough listeners take advantage of it, before November 7th. Manscaped will come back as a paid sponsor for the show, and it will help keep the lights on here at Uncomfortable Studios. I appreciate your support. If you've got an uncomfortable experience you'd like to have featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. That's contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65. Most importantly, please don't forget to go out and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. This only helps in getting the show out in front of more people, and more people listening means more great guests coming forward with their experiences to share with you, the listener. Tonight's guest got a hold of me through email probably late September, early October, and he listed a number of things that really piqued my curiosity, and I knew that I was going to end up having to talk to him. Originally, I was going to add this at the end of the episode, but... I thought I'd toss it out there before we get into it, just to give you an idea of how heavy some of these subjects weigh on our guests. The following is an email from Sam, not quite a week after recording this episode. Good evening, Eric. 
Just wanted to follow up with our conversation from last week. I've been hesitant to speak about my life because I sometimes think it invites the energy. Well, that night, I barely slept. I had dreams about Sasquatch and just weird things all night. It was a bit rough, but it confirmed for me that the spiritual world is not far away. It has taken a lot of prayers to get me back stable. Won't bother you, but wanted to let you know there were some issues for bringing all of this up. There's more to this world than we understand. And with that, let's get into tonight's show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Sam. Thank you, Eric. It's good to talk to you. I'm a little nervous about telling this story. There's a lot of things I've never said out loud to people, but uh, I really like your show. And, you know, I wanted to I think at times life's been interesting. I wanted to share some of the stories I've had. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you reaching out to me. And, uh, you know, there's there's been, I guess I want to say somewhat of a, you know, sometimes I'll get emails and, and you can tell in the person writing it is, you know, excited about what they have had happen. Uh, sometimes I have people that, you know, sound like they were terrified by what they had happen. And, you know, throughout, throughout the emails and the, and the interactions I've had with you, um, up until this point, I gotta say there's like somewhat of a somber tone to, to your emails and your messages to me. Um, because some of the stuff that we're going to get into a little bit later is uh, there's kind of some rough stuff. Um, but but let's let's start off with uh, with something that's fairly recent with what you had going on. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> where does the story actually starts with this particular incident? Actually, was when I was a kid. It was like eighty. 86, 87, I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. And uh, I used to go into the woods a lot where, um, near where I grew up. And I live in Maryland. But um, I would go into the woods a lot and I would basically wade through the creeks just looking for turtles or whatever. And um, this one particular day, you know, I had uh, been out there. I had already been doing this for a long time, so I knew what animals were. I knew what game trails were and all that stuff. And, um, I was going through the Creek looking for animals and, uh, I just happened to look to the shore to the side of the Creek. And, uh, I was probably about 150 feet away and maybe 60, 70 feet up in a tree. I saw what I thought was a little monkey and it was white. <laughs> Pure white. white. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember all the details about it because it, it's been so long. I don't remember if it had a, a tail or anything, but the body itself, I know it had a, like, it was coming down the tree kind of like squirrels do head, head first coming down. Interesting. But, but it had stopped and it was looking at me going through the Creek 
And then once it realized that I was looking back at him, it went around the tree like a squirrel. And it, from, I would say from the head to its bottom, the little body, it was probably about two feet. And then, you know, it had its little arms and legs. But it was definitely like a monkey, like a little monkey. How strange. And it went behind a tree. And, you know, I, I honestly had never heard of uh, Sasquatch or anything like that. So uh, I walked out of the creek and started walking over to the tree to see what it was because I was curious about it. And when I got to the to the tree, I went around and I don't know if it just kept going around like squirrels do, but I, I couldn't see it anymore. And simply because I didn't know any better, I actually just kind of walked away from it and didn't think much about it. And I even actually told one of my older brothers about it because I just didn't know what to make of it. And he was like, maybe it was a squirrel or something. If it was doing that, I'm like, pretty big squirrel, <laughs> but we'll go with it. <laughs> Cause I didn't know any better. I was a little kid. So I said, yeah. all right, you probably know better. So, um, I think it may have been a Sasquatch. I, I really don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure there aren't any monkeys in Maryland. Yeah, I would, and, I, would uh, I would think that would be not be a, ha- a natural habitat for uh, <laughs> for white monkeys. No, probably not. But you know, uh, no, there was there was some stuff that uh, I think was it in it was in Ohio. I don't know if it was Cincinnati or Cleveland. It seemed like it was one of the C C letter names uh, of the towns there, and um, not too awful long ago, maybe within the last couple of years, that people had reported seeing. Um, several monkeys in trees outside of uh, outside of a cemetery, I believe it was, um, and none of the none of the zoos or or any of those places uh, seemed to be missing, or at least they weren't admitting to missing any uh, any small primates. But uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a possibility that they could escape from a zoo or possibly like a traveling circus. I don't even know if they have those anymore, but. Um, an odd thing to see nonetheless in Maryland I mean, of if, all places. If you look at the body, it almost looked like a, you know, kind of like I would more closely resemble it to a chimp, like the type of bodies that they have, you know, yeah. but it was little. And, uh, but that was, that was the first run in I had with anything weird that I didn't know was weird at that time. And uh, after that, I, as I, we'll jump all the way ahead to the most recent things. I've really got into uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot, all that stuff. And I started uh, where I, where I lived for a little bit. I actually foolishly really got into it. I started doing some call blasting into uh, the backwoods behind the property. And there's a Creek. There's a Creek actually that runs behind the property as well. And it's maybe like, 400, 500 yards behind the house. And uh, <clears throat> I started doing this probably the, the fall of 2021. And nothing ever happened. Nothing came of it. But I really got kind of, you could almost say, obsessed with it, un- unfortunately. And um, now I leave for work really early. And depending how far away it is, if my job's starting at 5 or 6, you know, I'm, 
I'm up at three something in the morning. I got dogs to feed and all oh, that geez. stuff. That's early. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the thing is that the dogs that, uh, I have are German blood working dogs. And we had had issues with, uh, coyotes there and all that stuff. But, uh, especially the male I had, they, they took care of it pretty quickly because he, he is a big, powerful dog. He's like 98 pounds, 99 pounds, something oh, wow. like that. And he's solid muscle. And what and, kind of, uh, what kind of dog is it? They're German shepherds. Ah, I got you. And yeah, uh, those, they're all working are, dogs. Those are impressive so, beasts. Yeah. But, um, I was, I would feed them and then I would let them out into the back. And, uh, this one morning after they had done, they were done eating, we were going out to the back so I could let them out and they wouldn't go off the back porch. And I'm like, what's wrong with you all? Let's go. And, um, off in the distance, uh, in that, in that Creek, in the, that background where the Creek runs through there, I actually heard chimp sounds and, um, some of it really closely resembles what, what's known as the Sierra sounds. Uh huh where they're arguing. It sounds like they're arguing. And there was definitely two because it was like a, a back and forth. It was almost like an argument back and forth. Uh And it was really brief and, uh, it might've been five, 10 seconds, but what really kind of stopped me in my tracks was the fact that the dogs wouldn't, wouldn't move. They would not go off that porch. And I came back in and they're like, no, we're going back in too. And that is, you know, like I said, they've taken into the packs of coyotes there. They're not afraid of it. We we have bears in the area, too, and they, they don't have any issue with any animals in the woods. But they would not move off that porch for nothing. You and, know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you bring that point up about the dogs because, um, you know, I've, I've got a golden doodle, not – not anywhere near as uh, uh, impressive of a, uh, uh, a a dog as as the shepherds are, but um, during playing the Sierra sounds, um, a noticeable noticeable um, dislike for those sounds. Uh, you know, at first he'd sit down and kind of cock his head to the side while he was listening to it, um, but before the end of it. He was he was up on on the couch as far away enough, but as far away from the the speaker that it was playing from as he could get, and you could tell he was noticeably um, not not cool with it. And uh, I'd taken it over to a friend of mine's house, and uh, they had just gotten a, a new Labrador puppy. It was about twelve weeks old. And I was telling him about these sounds, and he's like, ah, you got to play them for him. you got to play them for him. And I said, your dog's not going to like it, man. And he's like, no, nah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And uh, he finally talked me into playing them. And sure enough, as soon as I started playing them and got maybe to within 30 seconds into them, uh, his puppy, he, he pissed the carpet. And he went and he walked inside of his, uh, his crate. And that was the first time that was the first time that that dog had gone into his crate without them having to pick him up and put it in there. He, he was not, he was not liking being in his crate and he went in there because he realized it was a safe place 
and whatever he was hearing was it was leaving an impact on him. So dogs definitely can can pick up on those things a lot sooner than we can, whether it's animals or spirits, whatever you want to call it, Sasquatch, whatever they they just have that sense they can pick it up so quickly. Yeah, that's, but, uh, that's kind of that's kind of telling, if you ask me. And that that happened actually this this year, that earlier this year in the spring. I can't remember the exact time, but the the strange thing about that is that about maybe a month, month and a half later, uh, I had already gone to to sleep, and uh, all the dogs slept in the room with me, and uh, they had their little you know, their little dog beds that they sleep on mm-hmm. and, uh, they just do whatever. But the thing with them is, you know, when they hear a noise, they'll wake up. If they used to hear the coyotes, they would get up and start growling and whatever, getting ready to go out there and handle their business. And, um, this particular night I was, I'd already fallen asleep and it was right around uh, midnight when I woke up and, um, <clears throat> I could hear, banging like on a tree and at first i'm like what the heck are the neighbors doing because there are some neighbors you know relatively close by and um the thing also with the neighbors in this particular area is that a lot of them um shoot all their guns and sight their rifles for hunting season and all that into those backwoods uh-huh. so everybody knows that you know not to be back there at night because there's plenty of ars that are gonna <laughs> you know, start being flung out windows when you start hearing people crawling around in the woods at night behind your properties. And, uh, so the, for lack of a better term, I I can only say it was tree knocks that, because you could just hear something hitting a tree really hard and really loud. It's so loud that it actually woke me up. And, um, you know, I, when I woke up, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. I was, I could hear it. I could hear it really loud. And I'm like, what is that? And, uh, I looked at the dogs because by this time they should have been up and, and barking or growling is how loud it was. All the dogs, all four dogs were awake. Their ears were down and they were flattened down into their beds as low as they could go. No barking, no growling, nothing. Ears back, laying completely flat on the bed. And I'm like, what in the world's going okay. on here? And I can't tell you that, you know, it was anything because obviously I didn't see what was making that noise. Yeah. But the strange thing about that is then I thought, you know, let me grab my phone and I'll record it. And as soon as I reached for my phone and grabbed it, it stopped like right right there immediately it stopped really and i was like what can uh can you take a guess as to how many how many i I mean we're talking about wood knocks here obviously um it it was done it was done like in threes like one two three and then it would do it like like it was rubbing or just doing it super fast beyond any human's ability to strike that quickly that it would just go oh really and it was really weird and then it would do it again one two three and do that again but as soon as i grabbed the phone it stopped i was huh and um 
I thought it was, that was it. But a few minutes afterwards, I heard it, but it was much further away. And I, I did record that. You can barely hear anything. I, I think I did send it to you. I don't know if you were able to hear anything on it, but I you, mean, you, you can, it's so faint. You yeah, can't you, really. You did send it to me. And, and honestly, I mean, I could hear it way off in the background. Um, yeah, that's. But nothing I could do could, I mean, at the, to try to amplify it and, and pull it out. It was, uh, it was increasing the, the foreground noise just as much. So it did get louder, but so did everything else around it. So. Yeah, that's, that's what, what got me though, is as soon as I reached for the phone, it, it stopped. And then when I heard it, you know, as you can, you can tell it, it was beyond any reasonable ability for a phone to record it. And, uh, the thing then is that, my hair, just like all my hair just stood up for no reason. Like the dogs were just laying there quietly. And then I don't know really what it was. It just kind of freaked me out and all my hair stood up. Yeah. And again, I mean, why? Because I don't know, maybe it's some guy chopping up firewood for a fire day happened somewhere, which I doubt, but I never actually saw what was doing that. So I can't tell you for a fact that, it was a Sasquatch or it wasn't a Sasquatch, but why did my hair stand up and why were all my dogs laying there? Right. Like basically statues and that, um, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of freaky. You know, my son and, actually today, earlier today, in fact, sent me a video that was of a, um, an outdoor camera system, you know, like security cameras on a house. And, uh, it was a split screen the there were cameras in the house and there were cameras outside and the dogs there were three of them i believe um were like frenetically pacing in the in the living room um obviously agitated by something um didn't didn't seem to be like a lot of barking or anything they were just it they were like ping pong balls just kind of bouncing around through the house, uh, through that living room, you know, one would walk one way and the other, they were pacing the entire area. And then, uh, and th down on the bottom, like there were timestamps. So at the time that this was going on in the second part of the screen with the same timestamp running was this thing that was out at the back part of the property. Um, just within the wood line as it would cross between trees you could see that the uh the ir light or whatever from the, the outdoor cameras were illuminating it enough that you could see that it was something that was pacing back and forth between several trees and it really walked weird it was you know it was up in the you know the the head of the thing it was very hard to see, but what I would assume was the head, um, you know, was up around the size of a, a, a tall human being. Um, and it just continually paced back and forth between, between these trees. And at the same time, the dogs in the house were, were pacing and very uneasy. So, um, I think, I think, you know, and we hear about this all the time that, that dogs are, 
uh, acutely aware of these things when they're in the area and, and they know it and they don't like it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, for whatever reason there, there's a lot of, I've always had dogs and there's a lot of my life, including these dogs, uh, that play a part in a lot of these stories actually, which is kind of funny now that I think about it. I was not until I wrote all this stuff down did uh did I start seeing all the the dots connecting with the dogs. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's and um if if you want, I mean that's that's about what I have for what I think was a Sasquatch. And uh I can I can move on to another. We'll just call them my dog stories, I guess. Sure. <laughs> most of them seem to revolve around the dogs. Um, yeah. My first dog I had was uh, when I when I think I turned about nineteen. I had uh, I had seventeen. I had originally joined the the military. I got kicked out at 19 for uh, <laughs> apparently they don't like it when you strike superior officers. <laughs> oh my! And, uh, <laughs> I was I was a bit rough when I was a kid, but um, I came back and I was living with my parents and uh, I had gotten a dog. And uh, at this time, my I, I had actually left because of uh, my strained relationship with my father, and he was a. A minister, but he was one of those fire and brimstone type guys. Okay. So uh, that that is one of the reasons why I had moved so far away from religion and stuff like that. But uh, that's not 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 the point, I guess. The uh, the thing about it is, uh, um, <clears throat> for a, about a week, uh, my mom had been she had been sick. She had had cancer, so she had stopped working and would stay home. And you know, the dog would keep her company and all that stuff. But for about a week, she said that uh, the dog had started acting funny and that he would start growling at things. Like when he would, if she was in the kitchen, he would face back to, to the rooms and start growling at things. And then he would growl at the basement, the steps going down to the basement as well. And he was actually also a, a really big German shepherd. He was about 130 pounds really big dog damn that's a big and uh dog. yeah and uh she said she started to hear doors slamming and things like that happening in the house and uh she said she never really was afraid of it because of her faith and um later that about at the end of that week my father was uh was in an accident that uh, left him pretty badly messed up for the rest of his remaining life. But, and he was in a coma for quite a while. But uh, the interesting thing about that is not only all the paranormal activity that was going on in the house, but uh, there was a, a medium that was, that knew my sister-in-law and she told her that she had been told that a minister would be killed that week. Really? So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I do believe that there are people that have the ability to 
talk with the other side, so to speak, and absolutely and, and foresee these things. Absolutely. And uh, it's just funny that all that activity revved up right before he had his accident, which the way he was left, it, it should have killed him, but it didn't. So uh, that's another little funny story. It was your sister, you said? Um... My sister-in-law had a friend that was a medium. Yeah, but back to your, was it your sister that said that she was not afraid of anything that was going on in the house because of her faith? No, it was my mom. Oh, it was your mom. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was the one staying at home after she had stopped working. So she was the one at home and and would tell me these things that were going on and what the dog was doing Yeah. when she was at home by herself. So, like, during the time your, that your dad was a minister... Um, in one of your emails, you said, uh, that he had seen some strange things. He had actually long before he was a minister, he used to, uh, run the streets like any other kid. <laughs> and, uh, he told me that he actually saw orbs. Like if there was a, uh, where he grew up, it was, uh, basically country, yeah. just some country roads. And he would walk down some of these roads after parties and stuff like that by himself. And he said he would see orbs that would appear in front of him and go into the woods as though they were trying to get him to follow them. And uh, he never paid any attention to them, he said. And then sometimes when he got to the spot where they were supposed to be at, they would disappear and they would he would walk by and then they would appear behind him again. And uh, things like that. He did also apparently participate in some exorcisms. No kidding. That he never, he never really told me too much about that. But uh, he did say that there were entities that would talk back to them and that would cuss them out. And, you know, basically they would tell them that they would have no power over them. And, you know, they would stay there with these people until everything was said and done. Really? Yeah. And I have no reason to doubt him about those things. Because, I I mean, even nowadays that I've gotten to all the stories on the podcast that I listen to, I hear so many similar stories of orbs and different entities and all sorts of things. So I don't have any reason to doubt him about that. So witnessed exorcism, huh? Yes. Wow. He was part of it because of the church he attended. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to, I don't think that's something I would want to be a a part of. No, you couldn't, you couldn't drag me anywhere near that. No, thank you. (laughs) Now, and, uh, if I made a, here's another dog story for you. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is after that, you know, uh, I eventually moved back out again. And uh, I still had obviously my dog, but uh, I started dating this girl that I really liked. And um, we moved in together. And I left my, my dog with my, with my sister because she had a little tiny dog. And I didn't want him to be scared. I wanted him 
him to settle into the apartment first and stuff like that. And as I got to know this, this girl, you know, I had, uh, she had told me after we had been dating for a while, this was before we had actually moved in together. She had actually admitted to me that she had gotten into Wiccan, Wiccan, yeah, uh, witchcraft. And that a lot of times in her, in her room when she was still living by herself, she would see an old man that would stand at the foot of her bed and she would always say, Oh, well, that's my guardian angel, I guess. And, and all this stuff, but she would literally see a guy, an old guy standing at the foot of her bed. And, uh, I'm not too comfortable with anybody standing at the foot of my bed at night. That's creepy. (laughs) So, um, maybe it was like the, first couple of months after we had moved in together, you know, we, like I said, we only had her little dog, so he would get comfortable around me mm-hmm. and uh, kind of take over the apartment so that when my bigger dog came in, he wouldn't be threatened by him as much. And uh, our bedroom was all the way at the end of the hallway in the apartment. There was another spare room and then, you know, out to the kitchen and the living area. Mm-hmm. And we always slept with the door open because, you know, it was just the two of us and the dog. So we always slept with the bedroom door open. And uh, for some reason, I, I woke up. I can't remember exactly what time it was. It, it must have been right around midnight, one o'clock, something like that. And I looked at the dog. You know, I've always had their their little beds like right next to to my bed. So I looked down and he... He was awake also, and I could see that he was looking attentively, like, at the door. And then he got up and started kind of cautiously walking towards the door. So, of course, that piques my interest as well. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And uh, he stands at the door, and uh, he he was maybe, like, a little 35-pound dog with just a little terrier mix. And he's standing at the door for all he's worth, like taking that stance where, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you type thing. And he's, he starts growling. He starts growling, looking into the darkness of the hallway. And I'm thinking, oh, God, somebody broke into the apartment. But the thing is, as he's standing at the door growling, then he starts to back up like he his growls get worse and worse. And he actually starts backing up into the room. So then I'm really thinking, okay, somebody broke in. So I leaped out of bed, you know, grabbed the the gun out of the nightstand, run into the hallway, turn the light on, and there's nobody there. And I cleared that whole apartment with the gun and the dog. There was nothing there. The door wasn't open. There was no noise, no nothing. But he was backing up. But he was backing up into the room, growling like he was seeing something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people can say what they want, but he was seeing something. And um, I stay. I was. I stayed with her obviously for a little bit. And uh, it, it was just little things like that that would happen that were maybe things were moved, misplaced, or the dogs would would just start looking like like a corner of a room or something and just 
you know how you can tell when your dog is actually paying attention to something. You may right. not know exactly what it is, but you can see it in their face, their demeanor, their energy. You can almost feel it. And they would do that a lot. So we finally moved out of that apartment and that I'm moving into a townhouse. And, uh, you know, I've always left early for work. So uh, it was a regular three-story townhouse. The very bottom level had a, had a garage. And behind the garage, there was like a, a bigger room that we had there. That we didn't really do anything but keep extra stuff in there. We kind of used it for storage and all the living area was in the next two levels. But in the mornings when I would come down to leave, there was a motion sensor light in the garage. And whenever I would come down the steps before I even opened the door, I would see that the light was on. So I made it a point to turn the light off every night to make sure that, you know, there there wasn't any chance that the light would be on. Yeah. And every morning I would come down, the light was on. No kidding. And uh, one time I actually even saw a shadow, like from underneath the door. You know how you can see the light from underneath the door? Like something went by the door. No and in that back room, the dogs a lot of times weren't comfortable being in that room. You could just see that they would avoid being in there. Even when I went in there, it, it was kind of creepy the way it it made me feel being in that room. Now, I never saw anything, really. But, um, you know, those those things kept happening like that. And it, it was just weird little things like that, strange things that shouldn't be happening, things that I went out of my way to make sure I knew what was going on that would that would still happen. Like, you know, the stuff in the kitchen would be open. Yeah. When after, you know, we we would wrap up the night and close everything up, go upstairs and go to bed and come down in the morning. And here it is, something something's going on. You know, something happened overnight and the dogs always stayed with me. Like they would not wander around the house by themselves if I was home. I got you. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's interesting because I just talked with another gentleman uh, a couple of nights ago. And he was relaying this, the very same thing about the, um, the crack at the bottom of the door, um, being able to see things moving outside the door, you know, just seeing shadows moving back and forth through the crack underneath the door in, in his home. Yeah. And, um, the way that actually played itself out in the end was, uh, I would say about a week before we ended up breaking up. Um, that week we were, I was sitting on the couch with her. We were just watching TV. And uh, surprisingly, I thought, you know, everything had kind of died down because I had, the light hadn't been on for a while and nothing really strange had been happening anymore. So, um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't even know, remember how we got into the conversation because it's been years, but, but I do remember what she said to me because when I told her, I said, you know what? I think we finally got rid of you, your friend. I said, because <laughs> I don't see anything else happening. Yeah. And she turned to look at me with a, a serious look as you can possibly get on your face. She just looked at me straight in my eyes. She said, 
No, that's just what you think. Oh. I was like, what? No kidding. And I, I kind of left it at that. And then, uh, you know, a week later, uh, found out some other stuff. And we were just, we ended the relationship there. I'm like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I don't need this in my life anymore. During the time that you guys were together, um, did she practice her, her, her Wiccan like on a regular basis? Was that something that you were, um, like, not that I was, no, uh, she told me when we got together, she had given it up. I never saw her practice anything, but again, I can't say what she did when, I wasn't at home or wasn't around her. So I honestly don't know what, what was really going on there, but the way she said that in the tone, she said it to me, it just, it, it wasn't comfortable for me anymore. Do you think that was her talking to you? Do you think something else was acting through her? I do believe that people do get attachments. I do believe they can be possessed. I don't know if she was necessarily possessed, but I, I definitely think that she had some other influence on, in her life somehow. Yeah. But that just, the way she did that just seemed very much out of character for her at that moment, as serious as she said it, just because we had been in a, in, you know, in a very relaxed atmosphere, just watching TV, getting along and, like I said, I don't even remember how that conversation started, but as soon as I brought that up, it's like all the joy just drained right out of her. It just turns to me, and the way she looked at me just was definitely not a normal reaction for her. Almost sounded like she was challenging you it, to some extent. It did. I mean, it. it like I said, it just... It didn't feel right to me. It just didn't feel right. Like I said, a week later, we were done with each other. Yeah. Now, continuing with the dog theme we got going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually a little bit weirder. And uh, I, I'm not going to speculate on what it was. But uh, after I had moved, moved out and uh, I'd got another apartment, same thing, going to work early in the mornings. And uh, the, I've always lived where there's a lot of woods and stuff. And there was an open field, like across from, I think it was like a 7-Eleven or something. I used to go to get coffee in the mornings. At. And as I'm driving by this field, uh, movement caught my eye and I slowed down. And uh, it, it's kind of like, when I was a kid and I saw what I saw was a monkey, I, I didn't really think about it. And it was the same thing at this time. Honestly, I still wasn't very much into cryptids or anything like that, yeah. but I saw what I thought was a coyote stalking through the field, but it wasn't going after any animals, but it was coming towards the car, which most coyotes, if they see a car, aren't going to, run up to it but it wasn't running it was literally stalking but its movements were more like a cat and uh what struck me was the head was really big for for a coyote especially you know because 
coyotes kind of have that narrow, thin face. But yeah, this did it. Right. It had a really big head. And I thought, that that is so weird. But So are you, ta- again, are you, you talking know, more like in lines with what would be a wolf? The head? The yeah. size? I would say, yeah. I would say, yes. But, you know, I've seen, I've always been around dogs, so I know how dogs move. And the way he was crouched, stalking, was a lot more like like a cat moves. It wasn't, it wasn't like a dog, but it was canine. I mean, I know it was a canine, but it was moving more like a cat. And uh, I never really thought about it, but then since I got into other things, I actually looked up, and in that area, there have been reports of dogmen in that area. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not going to tell you that that was a dogman. But I can tell you, I saw a really weird coyote then that that morning. You know, size-wise, uh, can you can you put some perspective to the to the size of this this creature? Do you think? I would say he was probably at least the size of my current male dog, which, like I said, he's just a pound or two short of a hundred pounds. Yeah. But but the head, I would say, was almost even. Maybe a little bit bigger than mine. Like and a, I think I see like abnormally it. large? Yeah. Like like the head did not fit its body. Like yeah. it, it was too too big and too wide to be on that body. That that's what struck me and that's why I had actually slowed down and stopped to look at it. And the fact that it was still coming towards me was not natural animal behavior either. Right, yeah. Was there was there anything else about the the way that it moved or um, that that was off to you? You know, was was there something? I hate to use the word unnatural, but um, was it behaving in any other manner that made you think, "What the hell is going on with this thing?" No, and you know, like I said, at that time I wasn't really into cryptids or anything weird like that, so I didn't. I just thought that is the strangest coyote and kept on driving like an idiot. Now, you know, in this day and age, I would have pulled out a phone and chased it into the field myself. <laughs> but uh, at that time, no, I mean, I don't it know was dog man's the one that you want to go chasing after. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but uh, it, it was definitely a large canine. I'll say that had a really big head that was too big for for its uh for its body and you know we've had cats growing up and all that and you'll see how cats move they they move so much more fluid than what a dog does almost like they're just they're so different in how they move and that's how this thing was moving just really smooth fluid and it, it just that's what the movement is what struck me. What caught my attention really was the fact that it wasn't moving like a dog. Cause I had seen coyotes already by then plenty of times. And, you know, and I've seen how they run. I've had dogs. I know how they run. I know how they stalk. And it just, it definitely wasn't moving like a dog. What was but the coloration of this thing? What, what color? Grayish. It was grayish. It was a gray color. Do you have wolves in that area that you were no, aware of? Mar- no, Maryland doesn't have any wolves. 
We have coyotes, we have black bears, bobcats, stuff like that, but there's definitely not not wolves in Maryland. That's interesting. How how far away do you think you were at the at the closest to it? A couple of hundred feet probably. Because when I started driving again, it it was it still hadn't come out fully into the light because at the edge of the road there obviously there were street lights, and he was still back uh, in the field. But you know it's a wide open field, so I could that's why I could see him. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know how when it's dark you can see something, and there's just enough light that you can make out some details, but not. I couldn't obviously give you an accurate description of it. So who knows? Maybe it was just a weird coyote, but didn't doesn't strike me as one now that I know better. That's weird. And uh, now, if uh, you're ready for the next one, this is kind of a I, I don't know what to make of this one. I'll be honest with you. This is uh, it's it's personal to me but I really don't know what to make of it. Um, when I had gone through all that stuff, I, uh, I eventually in 2006, I re-enlisted back into the military. Well, and, thank, you, uh, but thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, I had left and that was kind of a funny story in it, of itself because of my particular uh, job that I don't really want to go into and everything. The military was offering me if I stayed within that field of work uh, to go into the military with much higher rank and everything else. But me being the foolish person I am because of what I wanted to pursue, I chose a combat um, role and I went into the infantry to start out with. And uh, you know, I went through all the that stuff again. And once I had gotten to, uh, to my final destination, when I went through all the training and everything, I was stationed at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. And, uh, I got news because my dog, the, the original German shepherd, the big one, I had left him with my brother till I had got situated, but he was old by then he was almost 12. And I got word that he had passed away, but uh, I'd had him since he was eight weeks old. So I took the loss pretty hard. You know, I was very close to him. Yeah, I would imagine. And um, the thing about it is, you know, a lot of times when I was in uh, in my room by myself, if I would sit down at the computer, you know, obviously he would come in. He would come in, lay down behind me or get in his little bed, stuff like that. And I was so used to hearing him in the background, you know, like, when he would walk in, when he would lay in his bed. And then I, I don't know if you've noticed this with your dog, but sometimes when they finally just lay down and get comfortable there, they actually sigh. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, so I knew all his little, you know, all his little traits that he had that were just between me and him that I knew him so well. A lot of times if I was on the desk working on something, I would put my hand down. And he would come over and give me a little nose bump and go back to his bed. Yeah. And um, after he passed away, I would sometimes be in 
down there in the, in the barracks in my room by myself. And I kid you not, I would swear that that dog would, would walk in. And, uh, it kind of caught me off guard a few times because it, it happened probably for about a week, about a week, maybe a little bit over a week straight that, that I would hear him at night when I was by myself and doing something. If I would sit down at the desk I had there, I swear to you, I would hear him come in. And it was the same thing. Like when we had been together, I would hear him come in. He would come down. He would lay down behind me and I would turn and be like, what? I mean, is this my imagination, which I don't really think it was. And uh, the last time it happened, um, I actually heard a sigh. Now, as far as I know, I don't, at that time, I didn't have any mental issues. I wasn't hallucinating. I wasn't drunk or on drugs or anything, but I heard a sigh. Wow. And it had even gotten to the point where I put my hand down automatically waiting for him to come for the nose bump. And then it just clicked in my head. He's dead. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how the spiritual world works how any of that works and you know if we get into scripture i know what scripture says and everything else but at times i i think that maybe there's just a window for i i I don't even know if a dog has a soul but we were best friends for all the stuff we had been through together at that time and uh, as long as i had him and i think i would like to think anyway that God maybe just simply allowed him a minute to say goodbye to me because I, I needed it at that time, Yeah, you know, and, uh, that was, uh, that still touches me to this day because I know it wasn't my imagination. I, a, I could that, literally hear him and I an awesome, heard him sigh. That's an awesome gift you got that, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I know uh, when I did my interview with Archbishop uh, Christina Rake, um, she's she's had visitations from her from her dog as well, and uh, I I think I can even say that there have been times um, where I've had uh, had experiences that were were very much just like what you said, where you instinctively just put your hand down because you knew he was there, but he wasn't. Um, I had, I had the same exact thing and, and it, it kind of rocked me because when it dawned on me that my dog was gone, it was like, holy shit. (laughs) What was that about? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I can't, explained i can't explain it to anybody i even some of my beliefs say that that shouldn't be happening but yeah i'm sitting here and i'm telling you it it really did happen it was it was it was comforting and and there that's why i think that there are powers out there that you know sometimes decide you know what we're going to break the rules for you today because you need it it's yeah it's it's okay if we do it this time. 
Well, you know, I, I, I know the beliefs you're talking about and, um, I don't, I don't dismiss them and I'm not trying to dismiss them, but, um, I think my belief is that, that, that whenever man is involved, uh, as a species, I, I'm saying, um, I think, you know, throughout, throughout time, narratives are always created. And I think in an effort to make us seem that we're infinitely more special than what we actually are, I think animals, um, you know, I, I firmly believe my dog has a soul. Um, the one I have now, I know that dog has been someone before because dogs just don't typically act like this dog does. He is, uh, he is so intuitive. It is, uh, I swear it's like somebody I've either known in the past or, um, I don't know. I can't explain it. I've, I've had very good luck through my life with Evan dogs and, uh, each one has been special unto itself, but <clears throat> this one, he is, uh, He's something, man. So, I, I think there is. I think there's more to animals than uh, than what we know. I mean, you've we've all seen you know these adorable, cute videos of you know um, mother animals and their and their babies, and there is there is as much of a connection there as there is between a human woman and her child. Um, I, you know, I personally, I don't, I believe that love is not simply held to, to human beings. I, you know, cause I can tell you, I definitely love my dogs and probably more than the majority of people. I'll ever be. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that bond does make a, a special attachment that I think can at times reach beyond what the laws that we're told exist. I Absolutely. think that love does uh you know and something else does its you, own thing absolutely something else that you said you know you said it was just for a short period of time and i had some very profound experiences after my dad passed um and it didn't it didn't start happening immediately it was it was months down the road you know like some, probably in the neighborhood of eight or nine months after he passed and there were some very specific things that happened that, you know, pointed directly to him. And it went on for a while. Um, but when it was done, it was done. It was gone. And, you know, for all the years since then, I've never had anything else. So I think when you talk about that window, I think that's a, I think that's an actual thing. I think, I think there is a, a window of opportunity that that they're either allowed to or still possess the ability to to interact with us in in some way shape or form i would definitely have to agree with that i don't i don't know how it works i don't understand it but i do believe that it does exist This being the spooky season and with Halloween right around the corner, maybe you started to notice that your pumpkin patch is a little bit overgrown. 
or to keep everyone from thinking that you're smuggling a werewolf in your shorts. There's no better time than now to head over to manscaped.com and use the promo code uncomfortable22 for 20% off and free shipping. Help support uncomfortable podcasts by heading over to manscaped.com and picking up any of their fine products. Join over 6 million men worldwide using Manscaped products. Pick up the Lawnmower 4.0 as a part of the performance package. The package also includes the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, both with proprietary skin-safe technology that all but eliminates nicks and scrapes, pulls, and tugs. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray, and two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and a pair of Manscaped Premium Stretch Boxers. Help support Uncomfortable Podcast with the code UNCOMFORTABLE22 at manscaped.com and get 20% off your order and free shipping worldwide. That's 20% off with worldwide free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code UNCOMFORTABLE22, all uppercase. Unlock your confidence, and as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And uh, my uh, my next story actually uh, does not have any dogs in it. We'll go back to the dogs in my last few stories here. Um, and I'm going to bypass some things that I'll come back to here a little bit later. They're a little bit more serious. But, um, you know, after uh, after everything was said and done, I deployed it overseas that uh in 2007 like towards the fall of 2007 and uh we were overseas for 14 months when i came back home i um actually during mid-tour leave because about halfway through the deployment i came up for some time off and i i was given got what it was like three weeks to, to come back home and uh <clears throat> I was with some friends that had a party and I actually ended up meeting my my wife at this party and you know we we really hit it off uh, I went back overseas and we uh stayed in touch when I came back home you know I we finished developing the relationship and ended up getting married. She, um, she ended up getting pregnant and we uh, traveled from, uh, Tennessee to, uh, North Carolina to visit with my family. Cause I had sisters there and, uh, my one sister's house just always felt really weird really creepy and uh it wasn't until much later that i got together with everybody and we put all our stories together that we realized just how messed up the house was really but uh yeah you would go upstairs and you would just like we didn't like spending the night over at her place because it was just so creepy so weird the feeling that you would get there and when it really manifested itself i guess you could say for me was uh because my daughter was still only a few months old you know you get up in the middle of the night because you got to feed him you got to change diapers and stuff like that and uh 
I never really needed much sleep, so I would, and I wasn't sleeping much at night anyway, so I would wake up a lot and <clears throat> let my wife sleep, and I would feed my daughter and change her and everything. And she had given us uh, um, her, her spare room that had a bathroom in it, and since we needed a nightlight, you know, to be able to get up and take care of stuff for, for my daughter, we had left the bathroom light on. So I get up because we had a bed and she had put a little, a smaller foldable bed out for, for my daughter. So I was on that bed and I was changing her. And I was do as I was doing that, all the, the light that was coming into the room suddenly kind of got blocked in I had my back to the bathroom because I was changing my daughter and all my hair stood up. It, it just immediately stood up and I could just feel something or someone or whatever you want to call it looking at me. And, uh, at this point, you know, I had already been through a lot in my life, so I didn't necessarily panic. I was, like I said, all my hair was standing up. I, I was about as tense as I could be, but at this point I knew how to control it. So I finished what I was doing, uh, with my daughter and my intention was to turn as quickly as I possibly could to see what was standing there. Yeah. But as soon as the first twitch in my head went, it, it all the light came back, like it jumped out of the way or something. And, uh, uh, there's no way in heck that somebody can move fast enough that when you're whipping your head around, you're not going to see them run out of the room or something right, yeah. or hear a door or something. So I get up, I go to the bathroom. Of course, there's like always, there's nothing in the bathroom. So, and I grabbed my daughter and I tucked her in between my wife and me and I just stayed awake the rest of the night looking at the bathroom. <laughs> And, uh, so that was kind of like one of the first initial things that happened. And as we would go back for holidays and stuff like that to her house, I remember my brother-in-law's, uh, mom, we were sitting on the patio and my daughter's, I don't know. Yeah. My daughter was asleep. And so was my, uh, my nephew cause they were both little. So they had already gone to sleep and, uh, her, my sister's mother-in-law, Looks, she was facing the house. We were kind of facing out towards the yard, and she was facing the house, so she was able to look through the window there, or the, the sliding glass doors. Yeah. And she said, oh, one of the kids is up. And for whatever reason, this terror just gripped me, because my daughter was only like two, so she's not going to be crawling around or walking around by herself. And I think my nephew was maybe four or five, but it, it just, something didn't sit right. And I leaped over those chairs and we basically all ran into the, into the house. And that's, that tells you how much that unsettled us because it, you know, you're not going to react like that just because a kid's up. It just, it, there was something so wrong about the energy at that time. And, uh, we went in and sure enough, both kids were still sleeping in their beds. And, uh, 
but she swears she saw a little something walking around in there. And um, then it finally got to the point where I have two sisters and the other one had also come for this one time that we were there. She actually saw a woman standing at the top of the steps and it freaked her out. (laughs) And uh, my sister-in-law in in that same stairwell, because everything... Uh, I don't know. It was it was creepy. Um, she was coming down the steps, and she said something grabbed her ankle as she was coming down the steps. And these aren't open steps; they're you know regular closed steps. Yeah. They have carpet on them and everything, so it's not like somebody's going to be hiding under the steps to scare you and grab your your leg. But she said something grabbed her leg, and it just it was really cold, and it freaked her out too. <laughs> I would say so. so. And we basically are like, you know what? We love you, but we're done with your house. <laughs> we're not going <laughs> no to get together. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were like, no. With the person that was sitting facing the house, you know, I mean, windows are a certain distance off the floor, you know. Um, and to think that a, a two-year-old or a four-year-old would have been tall enough to look out the window or pass by it. Um whatever she saw must have been must have been at least the height it should have probably been like four feet four and a half feet at least for that and obviously neither one of those two kids was i i'm pretty sure they weren't were giants i'm not yeah. a nephilim so, <laughs> so <laughs> i'm pretty sure she wasn't that big at, at two years old whatever she was but yeah that you know, it was just little things like that, that, that keep happening in, in my life that, um, are rather strange. You know, and I suppose some people would say, you know, maybe you're just ultimately more sensitive to, to those kind of things, or your, your mind is open to accepting, uh, things like that instead of ignoring or, or dismissing them. Um, but you, you, you're surrounded with other people who have, experienced it as well so um i don't know quite what that means but at least it's not just something that's open to your your particular uh interpretation of what was going on yeah i mean there's if nothing else there's been an animal around to justify okay you're not going insane you know you're not you don't have schizophrenia or anything and (laughs) yeah there's definitely something happening um let me see where am i <clears throat> so yeah that was my sister's house did she continue to live there for a long time or uh they stayed there for maybe another year or so and finally they they sold the house now my sister to this day claims that she never saw anything or felt anything so i don't know if she was just in denial because everybody kept telling her there's something going on in your yeah. house it's weird so it is what it is. <laughs> now, let's see. After this, I guess I'll, uh, there's a couple of other things here that have happened recently, but um, I'll go back to really, I would say probably one of the most drastic things in my life. 
besides or because of deploying. <clears throat> now, I can honestly say I've never actually talked to this openly about this to anybody ever. So uh, I've spoken to it with my brothers, and that's as far as it's ever gone. So, uh, but you have a certain way of letting people feel comfortable. And I'm going to bring this up not only because of what it entails and the stories behind it and people can interpret them as what they are, but also sort of the, to bring awareness to a certain extent, because I'm not necessarily ashamed of it anymore because of where I was at. Okay. But, um, <clears throat> after the, uh, after the deployment, you know, I, once my wife had, uh, gotten pregnant, she had seen the, uh, the toll that the deployment took on us. I was, um, infantry recon scout. Um, we did sniper work and we did reconnaissance work and, um, we were very much targeted for our skill set overseas. Um, there was a lot of stuff we got into. There was a lot of things that I saw that I don't think any person should have to see, yeah. but, um, that's, that's not really necessarily the point, but, um, uh, when I came back, you know, I suppressed a lot of that stuff. And after she saw all the services we had and that stuff, she, once she was pregnant, she was like, it's us or them. So I made the decision to get back, kinda, to get out of the military at that time. And, um, I, you know, we came back to Maryland, tried to move on with life. And, uh, about a year later, after I had gotten out, I got word that um, a very close friend of mine was very badly injured in another deployment and was fighting for his life. And I'm not really sure how that works, but it triggered something in me that started me on a very um, on a huge spiral downhill, I guess we would say. They call it PTSD and all these other things, but basically everything went really went south really quick. And I struggled with it for many years. The the VA wasn't very helpful at at much of anything. And that's unfortunate. Had actually, you hear about that a lot. They actually almost killed me. <laughs> uh, they put me in the hospital for a week because of some medicines they were giving me that caused the an ulcer that started bleeding out. I lost. By the time they got me to the emergency room, and it wasn't the, the VA, but a regular hospital, so I didn't trust them. I think they ended up putting like eight pints of blood into me. And the doctor said, you need more, but we need for your body to start making your own blood, so we can't give you more. And um, having gone through all that stuff, you know, I did the best that I could to continue to provide for my family. But uh, it was difficult. It was, it was very difficult at times. And my marriage of 10 years at that time had uh, started to fall apart because of how hard and how difficult it was for her having, having to deal with me. And 
And um, <clears throat> I got to a point where I really didn't see any point in going on. And uh, I chose to make an attempt on my life. And uh, the funny thing is when people talk about it is, you know, they always say, if you're going to talk about it, you're not going to do it. <laughs> and I was that guy that just did things. So I took all the meds that I had. I took the handgun that I had. And I went to the only place where I ever found any peace in the woods. I uh, bought a six-pack on the way there. Downed every pill that I had with me. Drank every beer I had with me. And um, said goodbye to one of my brothers, and that was it. And it wasn't like a conversation. It was I like text them and everything. And for whatever reason, I, I got to a point where I, I apparently I obviously don't remember any of this, but I was uh, unable to utilize the weapon I had brought with me because of the state that I was in. But I wandered off into the woods. Uh, I fell down a ravine. It was raining. It was cold. And somehow I have my own beliefs in it. But for whatever reason, hours and hours later, they found me. And while they were dragging me up this hill, um, I stopped breathing and my heart stopped several times. And they had to resuscitate me. I was taken to the nearest hospital where they basically said, we can't handle him. <laughs> so I was flown to, uh, to a very famous hospital. <laughs> I don't want to give too many details about because I don't want anybody actually linking who, uh, um, too much about who, about me, I guess. And um, they managed to bring me back. Um, when I was in, I was in ICU for about a week when I finally got moved out of there, um, where I was actually awake again, because I had a, a tube in my throat for about a week. That, that was not fun. <laughs> but, um, I had one of the doctors that worked on me come in and, uh, you know, they start checking on you and how your motor functions and everything else goes about it. And he told me that he had never seen anybody in the shape that they found me in recover without any, uh, without any obvious issues. Because he said your core temperature when they found you was already below 80 degrees and I have never seen people live through that or recover from that the way you have. Now, obviously there's a lot of uh, soul searching that goes on when you're just laying in a bed strapped to all sorts of things. And um, 
the weird thing for me that starts happening as, as this is all going on, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that can say, well, it was all the, the pills you took and everything else. But uh, I, I don't believe that it was just the cause of all of that trauma. Because uh, I started to see, it's almost like there was a veil that was lifted. And it was really weird because I could almost see particles in the air, particles that would swirl into like whirlwinds type of things. And it was just all these little black particles. And out of these things, there were really ugly faces that would form themselves out of this and basically get in my face. And a couple of times, they basically just told me, you should kill yourself. Um, I would have really strange... And I don't know if they were visions, hallucinations, but it was all the same thing. And it was always, maybe I was in on a street or something and there would be something that would be grabbing me and it would start dragging me underground. Um, no, let, let me just ask. These were these were visions that you were having in your head, or or I would see these things like I was wide awake and I could see these things. But as far They're as still, you, you saying something trying to drag you underground, was was that something that was while you that that is, was that was in my head. That was like a vision inside okay. of my head, like yeah. faces and stuff. I could see them materialize in front of me yeah. and um, there was this may sound a bit uh, crude but there were even women that I would I would see materialize and they would place certain body parts in, in front of my face to entice me and it, it was just a really strange thing that that was going on during those doing during that time doing that to entice you to encourage you to to kill yourself so you could be with them or is that what you're getting at i don't know but i i can't really say because they never spoke to me i would never even see a head or a face on them i would basically just see the body and and it was definitely it's like it was calling to me to to do something with it and that it was really weird to to experience that and um one of the things that i can say to to that experience is that even to this day at times if i really quiet my mind and i clear it it's almost like I can see energy like off of say electrical equipment or something like that like I can see 
waves of these particles being emanated by by electrical equipment basically and it's wow. it's really weird to to see that because it's almost like it sounds stupid but it's almost kind of like you're like the matrix where we're at the end you know Neo is standing in that hallway and you just see everything that's basically numbers. Now, obviously I don't see binary numbers going up and down, but, but I can see particles and everything just, it's like energy and I can just see it. And I make a conscious effort not to, to really engage in that because it just kind of freaks me out a little bit. I would think so. But, uh, I, I truly believe that there were entities appearing to me at that time. And I do believe that in part that there was a large influence that drove me to, to that point in my life. So you think, that, and, uh, you think that there were some influences that, that led you to the initial act and yes. then, and then almost in an effort to, get you to essentially finally follow through with and be successful. And what I had started. Yes. That's terrifying. And, uh, after that, um, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I'm, proud of it by any means i'm just giving a small glimpse into what a lot of people have been through and what they've gone through because i i not only lost a lot of friends overseas but i lost a lot of friends here at home to suicide and that was always very difficult to to take and i myself obviously stood at that door but for whatever reason it just never happened and I the story still keeps going with it a little bit I will say that I I was a very selfish person I still believe that yes I may have been in pain but I, I believe that was a selfish act on my part especially having a child but uh I was determined to finish what I had started. And uh, I don't know how much longer later it was. I can't remember. I remember walking off into the woods and uh, some of the mountains around here. And I know the backwoods, I'm pretty good out in the woods. I know that if somebody's going to follow me, I had no phone, no nothing on me, so I couldn't be traced this time because that's what they told me is they had traced my phone. Um, and I even went as far as saying, well, if you're going to bring dogs out here, then (laughs) I started going up a Creek crawled out in some really, um, well hidden place. And I figured, well, this is it because I'm going to do it here this time. And I sat there thinking to myself for a very long time, hours, probably, But when I got to the point where I had made up my mind as to what I was going to do, 
um, and I think this is where where things began to turn around for me is uh, for no reason that I can possibly fathom except for one and uh, I didn't hear voices or anything but all these images of my daughter flooded my head and that was not where I was at at that point but for no apparent reason all these images of my daughter just flooded into my head and it was like my own conscience was letting me know how much she was going to suffer if I went through with what I was going to do yeah. and it, it wouldn't stop like it was just like reliving all those years of her life and it would not stop until I finally said, you know what, I can't do this to her. Yeah. And I got up in the dark. Thankfully, there wasn't any sex for dog went around. And I, <laughs> and I, I hiked back out of those woods. And uh, I, I had walked there because I, I didn't want my car found. I didn't want a phone and nothing. And amazingly enough, after about an hour of walking, when I got back to where there was one of the parking lots for this particular place, there was a park ranger sitting there and it, it was a woman and she looks at me and she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And she's like, did you get lost? I was like, yeah, kind of. And she said, you know, if I needed any help and, you know, I just actually asked to borrow her phone so I could call somebody to pick me up. And she said, you know, I never sit here. I never sit here, especially at night by myself. She said, I, I don't know why I just decided to sit here today. And it, it, I sometimes think that things happen for a reason because absolutely. she said she didn't like being a woman. She didn't like being necessarily out there by herself in the dark. Yeah. And she said she just felt compelled to sit there that night. Wow. And she was the helping hand that was able to get me a ride out of there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a uh, complete believer in nothing. Nothing is by chance. There's, you may not know that you, you may be un, an unwitting participant in something, but yeah. Wow. Well, needless to say, I'm glad you're still with us. Yeah. That was a difficult chapter in my life, but uh, I can honestly say it's been closed, and I am very grateful for that. As uh, I think all of us are. I mean, I mean that from uh, from my heart. I'm, I'm glad that you chose to to stay with us. And, you know, we're, we're recording this, uh, what near the end of September here. And, uh, I believe September is suicide prevention awareness month, I believe, or at least some part of it is, um, should not be limited to just a week or two. Um, if I guess I'm, I'm saying this to any of our listeners, if anybody is struggling with issues like Sam has done in his past. Um, I encourage you reach out to somebody 
Don't go through it alone. There is somebody that will talk to you. If you need, if you need to send me an email, contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you don't have anybody else to talk to, I will talk to you. Do not take your life. There are people that love you. There are people that need you. You have value in this world. Sorry, I just felt the need to say that. Absolutely. That's that's why I'm willing to share that story because being as far down as I was, you know, my life has fortunately turned around. You know, I'm reestablishing a wonderful relationship with my daughter and I couldn't possibly imagine now leaving her without a father. I think it would have devastated her. It surely would have. Unfortunately, I did have friends that left their kids and I, I think a lot more than one person pays for, for that. It's not just the person doing it that suffers. There's a lot of people that still love you and are going to be hurt very much by that. Absolutely. So, like you said, if anybody out there's got their own demons they're fighting, there's always hope and there's always somebody that's going to care. Yep. So don't give up. But uh, that also leads me back to, I do believe that there are entities per se mm-hmm. that work on that very thing. And I say that just because of my own personal experience with things that I saw and I don't know if if the voices I heard were in my head outside of my head I but I do know that I I could hear them and uh, so you know what I'll go back to the very beginning before the week before I left for the military again when I was leaving my, my job to re-enlist into the military that week. And this is, this is, I'm not just making this up either. This was, I was going to bed and there was a voice that I heard that I, I actually sat up because I heard this voice and all it said was, don't do it. And that always comes back to me after everything I've been through. Then I think, where did that even come from at that time? Yeah. You know, but it it told me before I re-enlisted, it said, don't do it. But that was so... So, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange world. There's a lot of things out there that we don't understand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since, since that happened, um, there have been other incidents, I guess you could say, um, where I was at, where, where, uh, I no longer lived there because I was, uh, you know, after my wife and I 
broke up and everything, I eventually uh, started dating somebody else. And after a while, we moved in together. And this is the place where I had the maybe the Sasquatch <laughs> visiting. Uh-huh. But uh, this person was a very toxic person. Our, our relationship just once we really did move in together and start spending time like that, it just, it was very toxic to say the least. And, uh, I started having dreams where I would literally be getting choked. But, um, the thing about it is when I would eventually wake up, I was actually struggling to breathe. So it wasn't so much that I was just being choked in the dream. I was really being choked and I'm not really sure how that, that works, how to define that. But, you know, if we're going to believe that we are also spirits, that we are energy, I can't tell you how it works, but I think there it's maybe what people refer to as spiritual attacks, but it it was a definite um, attack and it it happened more than one time. And uh, finally it didn't really stop until uh, I left that person and there has been some, residue i think that has kind of tried to stick around but uh it's it's been handled a little bit better now so you were literally waking up unable to breathe Have you ever, have you ever thought about, and you know, I'm not an expert. I'm just based on what you've been saying. Have you ever thought about, you know, maybe getting in touch with somebody that could, you know, kind of help you, um, cleanse or clear yourself of, of anything that might be trying to tag along? I have not. That's, uh, like I said, I I still, I don't know exactly what, um, what to make of everything that's happened in my life, why it's happened. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that believe in religion and everything. I will... I will admit that I I do believe in God and I do believe in Jesus Christ and it has not been a part of my life for most of my life because of running away from religion as what my father had taught. Yeah. And uh to be honest with you <laughs> I've been on a personal journey, I guess you could say being able to listen to some of the podcasts that, uh, you know, some of the 
episodes you've had, some of the episodes other podcasters have had. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, <clears throat> it, it has influenced me a lot in the way that I realized I don't have to follow a religion. I don't have to go to a building with, uh, with people that claim to be a, uh, of a certain faith or that act very pious as though they're somehow better than other people. Uh, I believe that the true relationship between you and God, however you may see it, and I'm not going to judge anybody for their beliefs. I don't think anybody should. But I think the true relationship is developed between you and him, Absolutely. not by having somebody tell me what I should be believing. Because if we are to believe that there is a creator, regardless of how you think about it, however you want to interpret that, if we believe that there's a being, an entity, whatever you want to say it, that is powerful enough to create life. I'm pretty sure that he can talk to me, hear me when he needs to and manifest in my life when he knows I need him. And there's not a preacher, a rabbi, a priest or anybody that can step in between. Now, there are people that can help you and guide you. But in the end, the relationship is between you and, and the creator, your higher power, yep. the person that you feel created you. And again, you know, I have my certain specific beliefs, but who am I to tell you what to believe or not to believe? I have my own personal beliefs, and I just think that, that I don't need a religion to control my thoughts Absolutely. because the same way that I can love my dog. I don't need somebody telling me how I'm going to love my dog. And, you know, in that sense, my creator doesn't need somebody explaining to me how he loves me. I would like to think that the two times that I did the stupid things I did, I believe he stepped in because there's no other explanation to me as to why I'm still sitting here. Something did. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> that's that's how I feel about that. Oh. Well, that was well said, and uh, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. It is it is a personal relationship between you and our Creator, and I believe so. You know, to kind of piggyback on some of the things that J.J. Uh, Rose said in uh, in one of my previous episodes and Christina Rake had said in the episode I did with her and some of the other spiritualists that I've, I've talked with. Um, you find power and, and strength in your belief. And if your belief is something different than the guy that's next to you, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all the same. There's so many, there's so many parallels in so many religions throughout the world. Uh, 
and so many um, so many portions of the religion are based on the same types of events that happened throughout other religions that it's so obvious to me that it's we're, we're all talking about the same creator. It's just man has got their hands into it and they've changed the narrative and they've they've developed their own their own way of telling this this story and in you know unfortunately many of the religions throughout the world they they use it to control people and uh, um, put fear into you and 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 try to make you act a certain way and I'd, that doesn't have anything to do with your relationship with that which created us and as long as you have that I think that's all you need. I completely agree. And that, you know, that about sums up some of the weird things in my life up to, uh, up to the present time. I am, haven't experienced anything now in, in several months and I'm thankful for that. But, uh, there's a lot of things I've started to change in my life as well. So yeah. I think that uh, everything's going in a positive direction. Well, that's that's great to hear. Um, I'm, I'm glad you got things straightened out. I'm, I'm glad you got it figured out. Your daughter needs you. Your family needs you. And that's one of the things, too, is uh, I, I'm not dragging this on too long, but uh, even now that, you know, all these things have happened to me, have gone on, and uh, it, it took me taking a hold of my life and making a conscious effort to change it. Uh, it's even gotten to a point where uh, my ex-wife and I are actually, we've reestablished a... A friendship and it's a really good friendship now that you know i i go over there all the time and hang out with her and my daughter because we don't really we never fought over custody of my daughter because how can you fight as to who owns a child you know you're both her parents so we we never fought it's never been an issue i i pay the mortgage i pay for her car and everything and to me we never went to court to fight about um child support because I believe as a man you are you are responsible for that child and you're responsible for the woman that brought that child and that gift to you so still I've been blessed in that sense that we have maintained a wonderful friendship and uh, I am very grateful for that well I'm happy for you man I am tell something something else uncomfortable happens (laughs) (laughs) i think that's about some sit up i would say you've had uh i would say you've had your share of uh of uncomfortable things so uh my hopes for you are uh, moving forward for the rest of your days you you live a comfortable life Uh, (laughs) (laughs) sam I, I want to thank you so much. Uh, the courage that you had to uh, to talk about that. Um, I can't help but feel that there is a reason that you did this. Um, I think it, 
we'll probably never know. But I think that there is probably somebody out there that'll that'll end up hearing this, and it will it will impact them. So for that, I think you are uh, you're awesome. That uh, that took a lot to talk about, and we certainly appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to to talk to you tonight. You as well. It really has been. Sam, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. You have a good night. You too, my friend.